well main mainly it's lifestyle and that i recommend to everybody so if you make up your mind to live a, a life around bipolar you can actually control it to quite an extent i for example sleeping is the most important thing so if you can get regular sleep that will help you no end it helps with the biological clock and then eating you know if you eat at the same time every day and you eat full meals with that good nutrition and the other thing is exercise and no drinking of course no alcohol and no drugs so it's just leading a good life and many people are unable to do that with bipolar you mean they're unable to do that because they don't have the tools to do it or do you think that they're just choosing to allow the bipolar to take over and just feel helpless with it you are listening to episode 21 of tried and true with caroline on today's show i'm speaking with sally alter who is a author as well as advocate for bipolar disorder and she is also a former nurse so today's episode we talk a lot about mental health what are some of the myths about bipolar disorder and lots of other things so if this topic interests you you definitely want to stick around and listen to our conversation this is tried and true a place to chat about how aligning your daily wellness routine mindset and self-care contribute to building meaningful businesses and relationships while curating an empowered and fulfilling life. Being an entrepreneur isn't easy and learning to balance all of the things is another story, but well worth it. Through these podcasts, my goal is to bring creative conversations to the table that empower, enlighten, and elevate your workspace or wherever you're listening. If you're looking for a place that's going to support that big dream of yours, replace your doubt with, you gotta do this thing, know that progress is better than perfection and momentum is magic, you're in the right place. And you know, that thing you keep looking for that you believe is going to change everything? I've got news for you. If you're still looking for it, I have your answer. Go and look in the mirror. You are the answer. I believe that the messages we hear are never a coincidence. And when the student is ready, the teacher appears. By listening to these conversations with experts, thought leaders, fellow entrepreneurs, and more, you are opening the channels of expansion and allowing new sources of inspiration to ripple across your brainwaves, reminding you to come home to your already amazing self. Learn from the past, be wildly curious in the now, and blaze a new trail to the future. So if this sounds like your sort of conversation, I've got a seat reserved just for you. Your time is now, my friend. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Caroline, and let's get this show started. So welcome everyone to today's podcast. I am fortunate this afternoon to have Sally Alter. She is a mental health specialist, author, and specializing in the area of bipolar disorder. So today's podcast is all about, I think, clearing up the the questions of this particular side of mental health and also just creating an awareness around bipolar disorder. And I think that Sally is a very well-versed and very well-equipped to bring us into this topic today. Let's get the show started. So welcome, Sally. I'm very happy to be here, Caroline. Thank you so much for inviting me. So one of the main reasons that I found you um, and and your uh, call out to be on podcasts, especially with the mental health that we are working through in today's world, but more importantly, the bipolar disorder. I think that there's been a lot of different types of points of view on bipolar and how people can function with bipolar. And, you know, some people like don't even want to talk about it. And then other people are just kind of skimming the surface on 
on that topic. I saw that, you know, you basically, that is your whole entire platform. I just felt like I really wanted to, if I was going to talk to anybody, I felt at this point, after reading about you and all that you've accomplished, I'm like, who better to talk to than Sally? Well, that's very nice of you. I guess you can fill us in on what do you think is the biggest misconception that people automatically assume when they hear bipolar disorder? I think most people assume that you're, I hate to say the word, but crazy. Mm. I think that's what first comes to mind and people are terrified of it. There's Mm. a lot of fear regarding bipolar. And why do you think people fear? Do you think it's just because we've had a lack of awareness and a lack of media support in bipolar disorder? I think the fear comes about because people are afraid they're going to catch it. It sounds Mm. ridiculous, but that's what happens people are afraid it's contagious I've had many incidents where people have come up to me and it's been very very embarrassing because they think they're going to catch it from me it's terrible really yeah I mean that that is why would someone think that they could catch a it's a disorder but I mean it's basically is it chemical is is bipolar disorder created from a chemical imbalance within yes. The brain. Okay. That's exactly right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how could people think that they would catch something if it was a chemical imbalance of the brain? It's called ignorance. Ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll give you an example of this. Okay. I went to a church for five years. Everything was fine. I had people to talk to, no problem. Then one day I told them I had bipolar disorder. That was it. Nobody wanted to speak to me. I was ostracized. Every group um, just, they didn't want to know at all. And in the end, people got up when they sat next to me. If they, you know, if I sat down next to them, they would get up and walk away, excuse themselves. Mm. So it was really terrible. That is really I just sad. left that church. and That's really sad. You know, like instead of people saying, okay, or, or just being more inquisitive to what is this all about? What does this mean? What does... What does this mean for you as the person who has the disorder? Like that, that's what I would be more concerned with is what does this mean for you? And how does this, how can I help as a friend for you? You know, what, what can I do or, or what can I, um, how do I word this? Like if I'm your friend at church, I might say, you tell me that, you know, you tell me that you have bipolar disorder and then I can say, okay, Sally, is there anything I need to know as a friend? that you think would be beneficial to me to be able to help you? Are there certain things that maybe trigger you that I might do that I would not want to do? Or are there certain things that you need for me to do to help you help our friendship work? And I think that's a better way to go about it than just getting up and moving from next sitting next to you. I mean, that's just absurd. Yeah. Well, you would think that this sounds reasonable. And any intelligent person would think that you'd want to help. But the experiences that I've had in the past with friendships, I've told them about the bipolar and they're just not interested, basically. Mm. I've given them books to read and I've tried talking about it, but that's not part of the friendship. It just, it just it doesn't exist in the friendship. I've never had a friend that said, oh, let me help you. That is crazy. Like, I just don't. I don't even understand that. Like, I don't understand why someone would take that stance. Again, I'm not everyone, but no. you would think that if it was someone who was genuinely concerned about another human. If it was the other way around and it was me, right? I would be just like you. I would want to help. I would want to know more about it and how I could be effective in that friendship. But right. that does not follow with other people. So would you say that? A lot of people with bipolar disorder suffer from isolation. Yes, very much so. Yes. People with depression suffer from isolation. And it's actually part of depression that they want to be isolated. But Mm. then, of course, it backfires on you because nobody comes to see you. Mm -hmm. Nobody phones. Nobody goes on social media. So you end up isolating without meaning to. And it's the same with bipolar. 
Can you explain for those people that don't understand what bipolar disorder means? Is there a sim- somewhat simple way to describe what that disorder encompasses? Okay. Well, there's three different states of mind, let's call it. Okay. There's the normal person, which is the person I'm now today when I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. Then the other times there are mood swings. And one of the mood swings is depression. Mm-hmm. And the other one is mania or hypomania. Okay. And the person with bipolar alternates between these three. And do you have certain scenarios or triggers that that you know are coming that set you into one of those certain personalities? Can you tell when you're going to start shifting into that other version of yourself? 99% of the time, you can't tell. Mm. Most people are completely amazed that they're in this depression or that they've gone manic. And even when you're manic, you don't understand it. You don't even realize it. Sometimes if you're very smart, you notice the triggers, Mm -hmm. but that's pretty rare with bipolar. Is there anything that you have found throughout the years that has, that helps you stay in the non-depressed version of yourself? Yes. The whole point is you need medication. That is a given. Many, many people with bipolar won't take medication and they always end up in trouble. (laughs) It just doesn't work. You really have to take it because it has to stabilize your mood. Mm. Many people just stop taking it and then they get sick. Then they're back on the medication and they take more Mm. or else they go into hospital. Mm. So that's number one. So what's the youngest age that someone can be? diagnosed with this well the usual age is late teens to early 20s but you can actually have bipolar as a child so it's not exactly the same but there's evidence that people do have it as children and they are put on medication Mm. can you ever grow out of it like can your body ever balance itself to where you don't need medication unfortunately not bipolar is a lifelong disease And there's Mm. no cure for it. Mm. You can only manage it as best you can. Mm. It's very, very difficult to manage. Is there a particular, you know, gender that it, that it, it targets or that there, you see more of it in women or you see more of it in men or age groups? I know you said that it could be as, as young as, you know, in your teens, but is there, is there another age group that really shows a large population? No, that just doesn't affect people differently. It's male, female, any religion, any place you live, any race. You know, it just affects people the same. Mm. It doesn't matter. It's not particular. <laughs> it's not particular. So I know that you've, you've uh, written a couple of books. Yes, I've just written another book on bipolar. It's come out already. Do you want to talk a little bit about that book? I mean, you don't have to give away everything about the book, but give people uh, a little bit of what you write about in your book. Okay. The first book is called How to Live with Bipolar. Mm -hmm. And it's a question and answer book. And the questions are taken from Quora. I've answered 800 or more questions on Quora. And this is a book with 125 questions in it. And it covers all different things. It covers all the basic plus all the mood swings. Let me just get my book and I can tell you. Okay. Okay. It covers the basics of bipolar, Mm -hmm. how to cope with it, relationships, which is very important. Mm -hmm. Depression, mania and hypomania, psychosis, anxiety and panic attack. So it covers the gamut. Anxiety is not part of bipolar, but -hmm. most people have anxiety. It's Mm -hmm. very common. And what about um, panic attacks? Are they triggered by something that is not working for a person that's experiencing a mood swing or, you know, how is the, how is the pan, is the panic attack also part of bipolar disorder? No, but uh, panic attacks are part of anxiety Mm. and they come on without warning. There's no rhyme or reason for them. They just happen instantly. Mm. So it's not really part of bipolar disorder? No, 
No, but most people have them. What would you say over the course of your years doing research and, and learning and diving deeper into the disorder, what would you say are some things that have helped you, I guess, manage or cope with your disorder? Well, mainly it's lifestyle Mm -hmm. and that I recommend to everybody. So if you make up your mind to live a, a life around bipolar, you can actually control it to quite an extent. Mm -hmm. I, for example, sleeping is the most important thing. So if you can get regular sleep, that will help you no end. Mm -hmm. It helps with the biological clock. Mm -hmm. And then eating, you know, if you eat at the same time every day Mm -hmm. and you eat full meals with good nutrition. And the other thing is exercise Mm -hmm. and no drinking, of course, no alcohol and no drugs. So it's just leading a good life. Mm. And many people are unable to do that with bipolar. You mean they're unable to do that because they don't have the tools to do it? Or do you think that they're just choosing to allow the bipolar to take over and just feel helpless with it? Well, when you have mood swings, you can't control your life. It's very difficult indeed. If mm. you're, <clears throat> excuse me, If you're depressed... Mm -hmm. Then you sleep all day or you don't sleep at all. So me telling somebody to get eight hours sleep, (laughs) you know, it doesn't follow when you're depressed. Mm -hmm. You can either sleep 16 hours a day or you can't sleep at all. So Mm -hmm. that advice when you're depressed doesn't work. And then when you're manic, it's the opposite. You only need one or two hours sleep a night and you can't stay asleep. So those things are all because of the mood. You can't just you can't actually do the things that are good for you. And. I mean, do you have a course that you teach people all the ins and outs of of what you've learned over the years? I mean, because what you're saying in talking with you, other people with, with bipolar, if they've never heard this, which I would find hard to believe that they haven't heard it, but um, it could be very, you know, life-changing for people. And I, I mean, have you ever thought about building a course that could help people through their, you know, either an early diagnosis or, you know, if they're struggling, a little video on this is what you could do. And these are the, this is an outline of some of the feelings and some of the things that I've learned to do. I mean, have you ever considered that? Yes, it's certainly something to do for later. I haven't actually got anything organized, but it would be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be very beneficial to, to other people that, you know, maybe don't, don't know what to do and maybe they don't like to read. So some people don't like to read books. Um, And if they don't like to read books and you're just doing, you know, an audio or you're doing a video where you're teaching them, or you have a course outline to help them get through these particular parts. I think that that would be very beneficial because it's helped you tremendously in this process. Yes. I can certainly think about that. I haven't actually been writing for very long. I started writing last June. Wow. So it's it's not been a year yet. Wow. And you've so already I'm written learning. two books. Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. And how long did it take you to write one book? Five months, the first one, uh-huh. and nine weeks, the next one. Wow. That's amazing. And I, I is this your first podcast that you've been on? Yes. Wow. See, that's where, that's that's another thing that's really going to help you know, bring awareness to your books and all of the things that you do is being on more podcasts, because like I said, I I think that mental health is, is really starting to be talked about even more than it was being talked about in like the first year of COVID or into the second year of COVID, because so many people have suffered through this um, from, you know, being cooped up, losing, you know, loved ones, Mm -hmm having the sickness themselves, and then it continues to reoccur. And then their life is not the same. I mean, we could go on and on about things that trigger people's mental health. But I think just continuing to talk about mental health and the importance of it, and that not to give into it, which I know, like you said, is very hard when people don't understand that they are in a particular mood swing, or they don't see it coming, because they're just not cognitively aware 
of that space because they're inside it. They can't see themselves from the outside. Yes, and, and I think that's, that's a hard part because, and even some people, you know, look like they're functioning perfectly fine on the outside, but they have all of this turmoil interior on the interior and they snap, something happens. And so just, I think it's, it's like creating an awareness to give people the permission, which they shouldn't even have to have permission, but it's like, if you give yourself permission to ask for help or to ask someone to just understand a little bit about where you're coming from and what you need as a human being, like, how do we not, how does someone turn away from you? If you're asking them for help, Yeah, that's what I don't understand. And yeah, of all places, a church I know exactly should, should be a little more, not a little bit, but if we're talking about faith here, whatever denomination the faith is, yes, there should not be a space where someone is, is like ostracized. Like yes. that doesn't, I don't, I, I don't believe that that's, well, it, again, it doesn't really matter what I believe, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel yes, that. I how does that even happen? It happens. Um, I don't oh, know. I, I know because you're telling me it's happened. I was an educator for 25 years. We would come across kids that were mentally distraught and going through lots of things in their life. And I can't imagine ever turning my back on a child, on a kid, because they were having a bad day or things were not well at home or you know, you, you have to take them seriously. Like, I don't care what age they are. They could be six coming to you and telling yeah. you that they are having a bad day. And you sit and you listen and you ask how you can help. If anybody takes anything from this podcast, be that person that that person can go to and ask for help. We're not asking you to solve their whole life problem, but just be there to sit and listen and be a friend because you may be the only friend that they have. Yes, I hear what you're saying, but it doesn't work that way. Because bipolar disorder, it disrupts all your behavior. And when you've got um, a mood swing, you can be very irritating to be around and obnoxious and cause a lot of trouble. So people are not understanding. If It's not like just having a, a depression. You know, if somebody's depressed, right. you can help. Right. But if they're, if they're manic, you don't want to have anything to do with them because they're a, a nuisance. I'm saying that myself, but it's true. But there has to be a way that if you are my friend and I know that you are in this mood swing and you might be difficult or challenging for that whatever window of time that is, if I'm really a friend, why am I not understanding towards that? I Shouldn't I be understanding me. towards that? Like as a friend, like, wouldn't you be understanding? Okay. Caroline is having a, a moment or a day where she's off or however long it, it occurs. Why are we not doing more to help people get through that difficult time? Because clearly it's not all rainbows and butterflies during that time. So why wouldn't we try to make that time for the other person a little more livable well it's 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 not as simple as that okay i think it's very hard to understand what bipolar really is the mood swings are nothing like everybody else's mood swings where they have a bad day sometime you know like you said right. just now a bad day that's not bipolar bipolar will be a bad week or a bad month or a bad year and it's not just bad the depression is much, much, much greater than you would get. Say you're having a, a you're having a bad day at school or at work. It's nothing like that. You go into a deep depression very, very quickly, and you become suicidal very quickly. And people do commit suicide with bipolar very, very regularly. So, so that's just the depression side of it. Okay. So are there things that that really help to pull you out of those weeks or month or couple of months besides the medication, are there things do you think that should be set in place for 
someone with this disorder to give them a like a toolbox to work from the treatment with bipolar is two things Mm -hmm. one is medication and the other one is therapy Mm -hmm. and if you can afford to have therapy that really does help a lot Mm -hmm. it helps you cope with your everyday life so it is desirable to have therapy and is the therapy talk therapy or what kind of therapy are we are we regular therapy most people like cognitive therapy cognitive Mm. behavioral therapy and it it is very useful it's true but um you can also use talk therapy for a longer period of time Mm. i've had a therapist for 20 years and i'm still seeing the same person wow now have you ever tried hypnotherapy have i tried what have you tried hypnotherapy before no i haven't you haven't tried hypnotherapy no I'm wondering if, if that would, are there specific things that when you go into the depressive part of your disorder, okay, do you notice that you go back to the same specific behaviors all the time or do they change? They're usually the same when you have depression. Okay. The thing that first occurs is you feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. You're not just tired. You just cannot move. You can't walk across the room. It's, it's just so tiring. Mm. And that really is terrible. It, it affects your energy greatly. And then people feel sad or guilty mm-hmm. or worthless. Lots of people think they're worthless and they're ashamed to be who they are. Mm. And they isolate, as we said. And lots of different things that get people down. And they just can't get out of it. And is this genetic? I mean, hereditary, hereditary. Yes, it is very much so. Mm. Yes, it usually runs in families. Because I I do hypnotherapy and it would be interesting to see if someone did a couple of months of hypnotherapy to see if that helped keep their depression at at a minimal, to see if there's anything from the root of their emotions, if you will, that's triggering some of these things to go on. I know that it's, it's a chemical imbalance, but I think there's also things that, you know, like you said, when people get into, you know, they start to feel worthless and then they start to feel ashamed and then they start to feel this and they start to, so it begins to snowball, right? Yeah. That whole, it's, it starts to trigger the thought and the, the, the whole component of the depression starts to trigger all of these other things to happen. Yes. And then we get the snowball effect going. That's correct. Yes. So why I'm saying hypnotherapy is maybe when the person gets to a certain point, they really start to be more aware and recognize that this is just like the negative snowball effect and they can stop themselves and maybe do a recorded hypnotherapy, or they can do, they can walk themselves through a self-hypnosis that I teach my clients. So it would be interesting to see if it helped. I've never taken but a group of clients and said, okay, let's see if this works mm-hmm. um, as a trial run. Yes. It would be interesting to see if there actually was improvement. I mean, in, in the world of neuroplasticity, where we can rewire or we can send new messages and and synapses to the brain. I mean, aren't there things that, that they can do medically that will help the brain, like create a healthier connection within the brain besides the medication, or that's it. Like that's the only therapy that they offer. That's it. But you're talking about hypnotherapy and depression Mm -hmm. and bipolar depression is progressive. Mm -hmm. It starts off light. Then before you know it, you're going downhill and there's no stopping you. The only thing that helps, as I said, is going to therapy and living a good lifestyle. But it's very mm. difficult when you're in a mood swing. Mm. I think it must be the chemicals that, in the brain that mm. cause this progression. And it's like there's nothing you can do to stop it. And what about diet? Are there certain foods, do you think, like an abundance of sugar probably would not be a very good thing? Absolutely. Maybe processed foods, maybe things with lots of chemicals will just further the chemical imbalance. Yes. The last book I've written, I've done a lot about diet 
and I've given recipes as well. So Mm. people can follow the recipes. I work on the Mediterranean diet. Mm. That's all very fresh food. What about journaling? Do you journal? Journaling is very useful. Yes, journaling is good. I recommend that to anybody. And why do you think the journaling helps you? I think it just gets your your thoughts out on paper and it Mm. helps you to make sense of them. Because usually when you're, for example, if you're manic, your thoughts are coming so fast into your head, they're being bombarded at once. Mm -hmm. So if you can just sit down and write them out, it would help you to be able to stop this thought process. You know how your body and your thought process works, right? And if you're taking your medication and you're able to stay consistent with your healthy diet, and you're getting a lot of sleep, is that, is that like the kind of like the miracle recipe for you? Yes. <laughs> if it you is. can do all those things, then, then you don't have bipolar. Wow. Does the medication dosage, is it constantly changing or can you regulate it and keep it the same? Trying to get your medication right is a, a work of art. Mm-hmm. It's very very unusual that people get the medication right with one go it's just Mm. almost impossible it takes weeks months years to get the medication right Mm -hmm. and the the person has to be very patient basically Mm -hmm. and so does the doctor right because you're treating you're treating three different things you're you're and four sometimes you're treating the depression the mania, which are two totally different poles, mm-hmm. and you're treating anxiety and sometimes psychosis. Mm. So all those medications need to be in sync with one another. Mm. And it's a, a lifetime endeavor quite often. Right. It's taken me a lifetime to get it right. Because when you exercise, you're changing the chemical imbalance of the body. When you change your foods, you're changing the chemical imbalance of your body. Mm -hmm. And then when you're putting in the medication, you're changing the chemical imbalance. When you're not getting sleep, you're throwing off the chemical imbalance. So there's so many different components that are at play when you're trying to create a better homeostasis for yourself, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Is there... It's very difficult to control. You know, people think, oh, you can do this, you can do that. It's not like that. It's an illness and it just affects you whether you do this or that or whatever. Mm. To someone that's newly diagnosed, what would be the top five things that you would recommend that they do when they've been diagnosed? I think we're back to the same thing again. We've got to have medication. Mm -hmm. People that say you don't need medication they always get sick. Mm. So medication is number one. Therapy is very desirable, like I've said. Mm -hmm. And then lifestyle, what you do with your life is very, very important. Mm -hmm. So all those things together work towards being well. Looking back on all of your years in, in having to work through and learn to live with this in your life, is there something that you've learned about yourself that you wouldn't have learned had you not had this disorder? I don't know about that. That's too good to say. I don't know. And I'm, I've had it for so many years. I started mm-hmm. when I was 15 and I'm now 75. So I've had it my whole life. Mm. But you've also done a lot. Like yes. you, you've been able to do a lot of, a lot of things. And the fact that you've written two books in the last, what, nine months Yes, mm-hmm. is is pretty impressive. And what did you do before you retired? What were you doing before you retired? Well, people that have bipolar have major problems with their career. If they have a career, to be able to keep a job is a major achievement with bipolar. Mm-hmm. You may be very good at an interview like I was, but then when you get to work, The mood swings chip in and before you know it, you can't do the job, you get fired and you're back to square one again. Then you have to have another job. Most people with bipolar have had at least 20 jobs. That's normal. 
I'm a nurse, so I managed to keep in a job for 11 years, which was good. Amazing. Mm. Wow. But, you know, in today's world, with so many things online, the opportunities for people to do things online and really, I mean, I hate to say not interact to where you would have, where people would witness a mood swing or something to that magnitude. There are so many different opportunities for online work. They would have that leeway, like they would have that leverage to work with instead of, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago where your job was your job. That's it. Like you're not going to do anything online, but in today's world, yes, there's so many opportunities for people online where you don't even have to interact with another human. I hate to say that, but there are jobs like that. And I'm sure it's very isolating, but it's, that's ideal. You know, that's great that they don't have to maybe interact with other people when they're, if they're going through a a particular week or a month or months of mood swing, but it then just furthers the isolation too. That's true. Yes, it does. You know, so it, it's, it has its, you know, there is a bright side to it that they can actually have a job, but then the downside is you're just furthering yourself into the isolation. Yes, that's right. Well, writing a book is very isolating Isolating. yeah yeah I can I can see that now what about support groups there's plenty of support groups around and there's also support groups for the relatives of patients Mm. there's NAMI which has branches all over the country Mm. you just don't you don't hear a lot about bipolar I mean I don't know maybe it's because I'm not looking for it but you don't really see, I mean, you do see every once in a while on Facebook or, you know, they'll do like suicide prevention month or something about suicide or something here or there. But aside from that, you don't really see different disorders or things that are, aside from people just saying anxiety, you know, COVID brought anxiety to the planet or panic attacks or never really coming to a definitive on, okay, we need to start raising more awareness with bipolar disorder or whatever else you want to talk about. That's as far as mental disorders go, there's not really been this specific, okay, here's this one and here's this one and here's this one and here's this, right? I mean, I don't know. Am I right? Do you ever hear anything about some of these disorders online? I don't think you do. People talk about depression and depression. That's, there you go. I fine. forgot about you that. Know, yes. They just say, call Oh, yes. They right. understand if you've got depression, that's fine. Right. But bipolar depression or bipolar itself is something entirely different. The stigma attached to it is incredible. Mm-hmm. And whether you would actually admit that you have it is another thing. Some people think you should. Some people don't. So it, I never thought I would admit it in my life. I've mm. kept it mostly hidden. Because the times I've admitted it have caused me problems, like I told you with the church. Mm. And there's been many other incidents. So mostly I've kept it hidden. But now that I've written books on it, then I I tell people about it. But you have to decide whether you want to make yourself public or not. Because, as I said, the stigma is so great. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like the stigma in the eating disorder community is the same. That's another thing. Yes. You don't see, and I know this because my, my daughter went through an eating disorder and it was, you know, you, you look at the statistics of the eating disorder and so many girls and, and boys. Okay. No one is excluded from eating disorders. There's all kinds, but just the, the non-awareness of that community and what it does and how it just destroys. I mean, you name it, the psyche, the body, the, the relationships, the family dynamics. I mean, the whole gamut. Yes. Um, and because people don't want to talk about it, they don't, it's that's the not what thing. they, it's the same kind of concept. People don't want to sit down at the dinner table and I know I don't, I don't particularly like to talk about it either, but I now feel like I'm at a point in my life where we've, we are probably like 
90% healed of this, Mm -hmm. but it's still there. Yes. I don't know that it ever goes away. And it's something that is maintained. It's something that's watched. It's something that's um, dealt with. You know, there's a lot of mental component to it. There's a depression to it. There's, you know, sitting and listening to you. I saw so many of these characteristics in my daughter and it was that you could see the spiral, you could see the trigger, you could see what set her off. You could see all of these things. And I learned a ton over the last, I don't know, it's been six years, seven years now, Mm -hmm. but it's something that I think if we brought more awareness to the table about it and not just pretend like it doesn't exist, we could create more programs. Maybe we could, where we can create better, better resources and better programs and better support systems so that people don't feel so distraught and just in this corner of, okay, this is what I've been labeled and this is what statistics tell me. And this is what my life is going to be like. Why can't we figure out ways to turn that around and to help other people? Because that's essentially what we're supposed to be here to do, right? We're supposed to help one another. We're supposed to be of service to one another. And if at some point in my life, if I'm down and you're my friend, then I hope that you're going to help me up. Just like if you're down, I, I feel as your friend, I feel like I should help you up. Because I think that's what life is all about. We need to bring more awareness to the table within the mental health community. And I know that it's slowly coming and people are, I think, trying to bring it to the forefront, but it's so much to admit socially. And the social media platforms, I think, create a lot of social chemical imbalance within the brain for a lot of people. It's intimidating it's comparisonitis. It's, I mean, you could just list off probably a hundred things that social media does for people, but then also social media, if you look in the right places, it can be very helpful. It can pull you out of the hole, but I think we just should spend more time in educating and bringing awareness. And I know I keep saying should, I really shouldn't be shoulding, but it needs to be in the forefront. We as a community owe it to our own planet to bring more positivity to how we deal with mental health. Yes, I I don't know much about eating disorders, but I would think it's very much the same. And they would come under a mental disability, wouldn't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there a cure for for eating disorders or is it a lifelong illness? I think it's manageable. Manageable. Do I think it ever 100% goes away? I've yet to see that. And and maybe there are people out there that have beat it 100%. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that yet. I think the reason that the eating disorder component is so hard is because the food is essentially, you can't take that away. Whereas if we're, if we're dealing with a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction, name your other addiction you want, we can, the goal is to remove that out of the person's life, right? right? To take it away. But when you get to the root of an eating disorder, I can't, and it's never about the food. The food is the, that's the food. That's the thing that they're choosing to restrict and control. So it's, it's getting to the root of the other things and teaching them that food is not what we use to punish yourself for that thing that you are punishing yourself for. Mm-hmm. But the food is the easiest thing that they can control. And it's a punishment. It's a way to punish themselves. Yes, they don't see a- it that way at first, but it's, it, it takes them into, like you said, it, it, it goes into a completely different um, psychological component when they're in the thick of it. Is it a control issue? Yes. Yeah. Very much very much a control issue. Um, And it's very manipulative. It's Mm -hmm. a very manipulative disorder. And I could see where someone who doesn't get a hold of it will go through this, their life, through their life. And 
they will have a difficult time with relationships. They will probably have a difficult time holding down a job because they're not going to have the energy to go. They're going to be sick frequently and they are, it's going to be very difficult. Again, you don't see a lot of people talking about it because you just don't. Another case of stigma, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Because people don't want to admit it. They don't want to, uh, admit that, you know, their child suffers from this or as a family, you want to keep this whole, you know, perfect image of what your life was comprised of for a couple of the beginning of the first years, we didn't, we didn't make it, you know, known to the rest of my parents and his parents. And there's a lot of shame involved, right? Because I think as a parent, as me, I took a lot of that brunt because I'm like, yes. what did I do wrong? Like, how Absolutely. did I, what boat did I miss here? Where, where, how I, I can't, I can't fix this. Like what yes. I can make a sandwich, but I can't fix this. It's such a tough place to be in if anything. And there wasn't really, I didn't find a lot of support for the parents. I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't really probably look very far because when I was exhausted myself, but it's, it's creating that permission to be okay with this is what's going on in my life. And it shouldn't make me feel or appear to other people that I'm not worthy or I am not like, I should feel ashamed that this is happening in my life. Do you remember way back that cancer had the same stigma? Mm -hmm. Can you remember those days when people would never utter the sound about cancer? Yeah. It's, it's long ago now, but now everybody talks about cancer. Nobody worries mm-hmm. about it. Right. And I hope that one day that's how it will be with bipolar. Mm-hmm. But I think in doing that, it's creating, it's continuing to champion for the cause as well as just mental health in general and make it okay. Make people feel like it's okay to to ask for help. Like so many times we don't want to ask for help because we feel like we're a burden to someone else or we are impeding on their, their own perfect life. Like, why do they want to help me? I'm not, it's a tough place to be in. I, I really applaud you for finding and and not giving up on yourself for one, because you are such a, a well of wisdom for other people who are going through the same thing. And it's, it's a powerful place that, that you've created for yourself where you can help people get through these difficult times. And you yes. may not be able to save them. You may not be able to fix exactly what has happened in their life, but you can offer tools and resources that have helped you get this far in your life, which says a lot. Yes, I'm hoping so. I write on Quora about this. And I've written in my book, so I hope it's done some good somewhere. So if people want to get in touch with you or or get a hold of you, what's the best place that they can find you? On my website. And that is Sally... SallyAlter.com. SallyAlter.com. And your books are on Amazon, which I'll put in the the show notes. I'll put links to both of the books on Amazon. And I'll also put a link to your website as well to make it easy for people to get there. Is there anything else that you feel that I didn't ask you about that you would want people to know or something else that you feel like people should know about, I don't know, anything about you or bipolar or mental health or whatever you want to share? I think that you have to always think that there's some hope. You can't give up hope. That's the main thing. If you give up hope, then you'll never get anywhere. You'll just be in hospital all the time. Mm. But um, there are things you can do. And that's why I've written two books about it. I agree. We can never give up hope. We can never give up hope on something. I know sometimes that you can't, you can't see, you can't see hope. Like you can't see faith. No. It's knowing that you just have that, that will to, I'm just not going to give in. Like, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep finding a better way to to do this, whatever it takes. 
I will keep doing until my last breath. When you don't have that playing in the background of your thoughts, it's so easy to give in because it's it's exhausting. It's tiring. Yeah, it is. It's exhausting. You're right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's exhausting. And it's very hard to see like you're in the dark, even just putting it a, a, a phrase that inspires you or, or putting, you know, something that you're trying to achieve or whatever it may be on a post-it note or a sticky note somewhere or put them everywhere, yes. put them in your refrigerator, put them to remind yourself that there's something greater at play here that you need to tap into to move you to the next space in your life. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, we've learned a lot today. Yes, and I really, I really am with you on creating more awareness in the mental health space. Yes. And I really believe that you have a lot to offer to this community. And uh, I hope that people come and check out your, your books on this podcast, but also your website to look at all of your information and hopefully yes. soon you'll I don't know maybe create a little course or something that people can do yes maybe. in the event that they don't like to read books I can answer any question okay. yeah if people want to ask a question on the website I can answer that for them okay okay and also when when they listen to the podcast and they have any questions they can also you know when I post on Facebook and Instagram people can also leave questions there that we can definitely yes answer and get back to them so thank you so much today for joining me and um, i look forward to catching up with you sometime soon okay thank you very much thank you sally thank you for listening to today's show i really appreciate and value your time if you think that someone else could use a listen to this message please reach out and share it with someone And if you want to make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I hope you have an amazing day, and I can't wait to chat with you next week. Remember, nothing changes if nothing changes. See you next week, friends.